Hey there, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Water Trio Astrology Podcast. This is going to look at the astrology of the week starting September 16. So we are now into the back half or the second half of September. And I'm very excited to be here today talking with my dear friends, Alicia and Cassandra. Welcome, team. Thanks, Carol. How are you? <laughs> hey, Lucy. We just had a few laughs while we are getting the uh, recording going for this show. I was like, <laughs> we did our big record and somehow the recording didn't start. So we're in like take two. We're um, in blooper mo- recovery mode. Yeah, we're, that's it, blooper recovery mode. Actually, that could be a metaphor for this week, actually, Cass. Your Gemini mm. rising is uh, bringing it already. Yeah. I, I, what can I say? I do my best. <laughs> <laughs> don't even realize you're doing it. It's fantastic. We are going to duck. I know our last episode, we were sharing a little bit of a personal update. And this week, I think we're just going to dive straight into the astrology because uh, this is the week after the full moon. So it could be like full moon hangover. But one of the big astro highlights is that there's not a huge amount of things happening astrologically this week, but there are some really important things happening astrologically this week. Uh, mm. And we've each got something to share about. Um, any initial thoughts from either of you as we're getting into this week's astrology? I'm really excited just for the change of pace. Mm. Just that full moon, as you said last week, she brought the crescendo of events and it's sort of like we've reached this, this peak um, and now we can just sort of kind of cruise a little bit I suppose or just enjoy a little bit of a slowed down pace you know now also too with that moon moving through the waning phase as well there is a little bit of a slow down regroup recap kind of feel happening um this week what are your thoughts Leishi? Yeah, exactly the same, you know, especially when the moon moves into Taurus, what's that Tuesday mm. night here in Australia? So Tuesday morning in um, the US, it'll just be like, oh, you know, beyond the little Uranus blip, it goes through every month. It's just that kind of quietening pace, I think, and totally of just because the first two weeks of September, honestly, you know, that's some of the busiest astrology I've seen for a long time. So it's, I guess it's time for everyone to just rest, recover, relax. Yeah. Um, and get ready for all the, you know, the juice of the rest of this month with all the Libra. Yeah, I think both of you are making some really lovely points because it does feel like the first two weeks of September with this sort of like very niche energy period with Mercury and Virgo. And I feel like that first two weeks of September, we've all made a lot of decisions. We've all had to deal with a lot of information about a wide variety of topics. There's just been so much going on. So as we come to this week, September 16, it is a chance to exhale and leash. I kind of hadn't put two and two together, you know, the midweek moon in Taurus this week. And of course, one of our huge astro events, not just for this week, but even for the month of September is that Saturn will station direct in Capricorn. And that is happening on Wednesday. The moon will be in Taurus while this happens. There's real, this, this really earthy energy about kind of getting back to basics. Saturn has been retrograde since end of April, I think. And that, you know, the last few months has been 
almost like, you know, these tectonic shifting of the foundations in each of our lives. But there hasn't necessarily, or there's been a desire, if you like, I should say, to change some of those foundational formats or structures in our lives, but maybe not a lot of progress or action on that. And that's to do with Saturn having been retrograde or moving in reverse in, in long-term Capricorn. And so with Saturn, you know, turning from facing backwards to facing forwards midweek, I think a number of us are going to notice this ability to start putting into play some of those longer plans. You know, that's, this is not a plan you're going to benefit from this week, this month, or even in the next few months. It's a plan mm. that's going to set you up for the next kind of two to seven years. Yeah, totally. It definitely feels like that there's a method in the madness by having such a quiet week astrologically because there are these mm. slower moving bodies, a little bit more active, whereas in the previous weeks of September, it's been, uh, you know, Mercury and Mars, sorry, Mercury and Venus in particular, and Mars to some extent too, interacting with all the outers. Now they're kind of moved on and shifted a little bit this week and not as potent because we're kind of, you know, churning and reflecting and thinking about sort of, I guess, you know, September being a little bit of a microcosm of the macrocosm of this year. So sort of things, you know, coming out or coming to bear or, or coming forward. So it's almost like we've got this beautiful moon in Taurus. We have a, um, you know, next to no aspects really this week in comparison to mm. what the month has been so far to almost to allow space for all of this, you know, the bigger picture things, um, the bigger shifts to take place. Totally. Yeah. And Saturn will station um, direct at 13 Capricorn. And for a lot of like August, September and October, Saturn is actually just sitting at 14, then 13, then 14 Capricorn. So there is a little bit of this grinding down quality for anyone who's got planets or points like their ascendant or midheaven at 13 or 14 degrees, not just of Capricorn, but of any of the cardinal signs. So if you've got your moon or your Venus or your midheaven, at 13 or 14 degrees of either Aries, Cancer, Libra or Capricorn, there is going to be a real sense of like a shift in the wind and you can start to maybe get a little bit of traction about things that have been really stuck or really heavy over the last few weeks. Yeah, agreed. And what I really, what I really like about this as well is that finally Saturn in the South Node are moving in different directions, you know, because they've been hanging around each other within a couple of degrees each other since April, um, but especially since June, July. So it's like, okay, now Saturn's heading one way and the South Node, which is, you know, always going yeah. um, retrograde, is going the other. So it's like, I don't know, I feel like those long-term plans you were talking about, Kel, those things that aren't going to be in the short term, but definitely in the long term, will really get, you know, it's not all the draining happening on it. It's it's like the consolidation and the simplification and everything we've been doing for so long. Um, it's like, okay, we're clear now on what we've had to let go of with this. Now let's really get the foundations in place. Let's um, solidify things uh, but we can stop kind of tossing out what we don't need. It's like everything's clear, you know, that clarity piece you're re referring to often, Cass, and we can just really go forward to that. And Yeah, I think there 
is one more conjunction with Saturn in the south node at the end of the month. I think they're still going to be very close together for a couple more weeks. Um, so it's like we're all, yeah. yeah, we're almost getting to that, like, oh, can yeah, these two that's planets. Right. Sorry. That's okay. I know we're all desperate for it to be over. <laughs> the Saturn yeah, south node. I know everybody's very focused on the Saturn-Pluto January 2020 conjunction, but for my money, the Saturn south node in 2019 has been more more transformative or more destabilizing uh in many yeah. ways so yeah i thought the south node had traveled further than it had yeah. but looking at it no it hasn't <laughs> so okay let's, let's park that one to the end of the month let's yeah, but do I mean, it at least you're, you're on the, the right direction track. yeah it's totally yeah. because yeah. saturn is now going to move forward it's got to deal with the south node one more time at the end of the month but then it is going to get past south node, the south node. so we're nearly like we're so close it's that, yeah. like, are we there yet? <laughs> yeah. In the last, like, yeah. two hours of the drive that's been 10 hours with the kids in the car kind of thing, like, what chocolate do we the need to just boys. get through? Yeah, the Game Boys. The Game Boys are run out of batteries. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, everybody's on edge. The yep. what boys? Cassandra Game Boys. Game boys. Don't you remember those? Oh, the oh Game God. Boys. Oh, the Game Boys. Game okay. Boys. <laughs> Oh, I thought you said gay boys. And I'm like, what's that got to do with anything? But yeah. anyway, <laughs> that must have been like a little no, internet no. blip and I didn't quite hear that. So, That's so yeah. sweet. Oh, yeah. I love it. No. I love it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, and a lot like that whole, you know, Jupiter going direct last month, mm. um, it really gives us a chance to kind of put things into action again, you know, to start actually doing some things, be motivated about this stuff rather than it kind of boiling away underneath in the background. Um, actually, who was the, someone did a really awesome analogy about this, another astrology you guys will probably remember about things being on the back burner on the stove. It's like now we can pull the pot back to the front again because it's time to kind of focus in on this Saturn energy and, and, and kind of put some heat under it and get things moving and cooking with it again. Yeah, I think, and the thing with the Saturn station direct, it is very subtle. So mm. I don't know that it's necessarily this week brings all the progress, but it's like now the components are moving into the right place that can lead yeah. to that progress in the days and weeks to follow, you know, September 18, which is when Saturn will station direct. Uh, yeah. So it's in some ways, it's almost like starting to focus on the future getting clear on the effort or the type of restructuring or changes needed to get you to the long-term goals that you want. And with Saturn in Capricorn, those long-term goals are a lot about security and stability. So it's about how can I make myself more safe or how can I secure my kind of long-term survival? I think there's going to be a lot of money stuff for people around planning for retirement, you know, up, you know, getting on top of debts. Um, but it's also, you know, when you're thinking about security and stability long-term, it obviously prompts questions to do with career and relationships and within family dynamics as well. And because it is Saturn, it's like, where do I need to put some boundaries or limits to keep me safe, not just today, but in an ongoing way? And even upskilling, Kel, too, is a part of that. Mm -hmm. You know, it all depends on which house it is, but creating those resources within yourself, your own skills and talents, you know, how you can do that in a better way or within your relationships, how you form connections with others that will also be that stability and security. So, yeah, but they're, they're key pieces to all of this. I guess it just depends on which house it falls in for everybody. And I think as well, you know, for those who have Saturn ruled charts, um, it's been some pretty heavy time, you know, for 
for those who are Capricorn rising or Aquarius rising. So I feel like it's switching from the internal to the external. And you're right, it, it's very subtle because Saturn moves so slow. It will sit around those degrees for a while. But just to know that there's some forward momentum with this again will be an awesome thing. Totally. And then, Leash, you've got an aspect you want to share about this week. Uh, I think you want to talk about Mars trying Pluto, which is also happening kind of, you know, around the middle of the week. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this is the last of the Virgo planets to come and trigger Pluto. And I I wanted to bring it up because we really haven't talked about the triggers to Pluto because there's just been so much to talk about in previous weeks. But I feel like, you know, this is as much about that too, this, the Pluto in Capricorn, larger story. What's been going on for you in this area of your chart, in this area of your life since 2008? Um, and so you may find support and energy towards this. You know, Mars and Pluto together kind of, you know, it's a bit of a fight, can be a bit of a fight for power. And I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this um, as to what it can be. And it can get a little bit obsessive or, or thought like, you know, dig into things a bit too much. And Mars takes that Pluto energy and just drives it down. Um, but I also think that this can actually put some support to those Pluto Capricorn things. So, I mean, for me, this is 10th house. I've had a massive Pluto and Capricorn story of shifting from a very corporate um, kind of job into what has slowly evolved into this, which is the more caring, um, empathetic, sensitive Cancerian side, the opposite of it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not being in the traditionally structured roles anymore. So it'd be interesting to see for me some more energy and shifts that I can put towards that Pluto and Capricorn story for me. So yeah. Have you girls got any thoughts about this? Great points, Leish. Yeah, Cass, I'd love to hear from you about, uh, Mars Pluto vibes. Yeah. Well, I think that, um, given that this aspect takes place pretty much as Saturn stations, like Saturn hasn't moved anywhere between, no. you know, mm. the technical station and, you know, the Mars-Pluto aspect on Friday, it might actually kind of help stoke a little bit of action or energy or focus in dealing with the larger sort of Capricorn piece. It's like mm -hmm. Jupiter, not mm. Jupiter, sorry, Saturn's, you know, at a standstill and, you know, so Saturn can be a little bit more intense at this point in time or a little bit more... Uh, calling your attention, then sort of Mars comes along with his, you know, heat and his metal and his sharpness. And it's like, okay, like, you know, adding a little bit of uh, momentum, let's deal with the stuff that maybe I've been in deny, uh, denial about, or, you know, those, um, you know, pots that have been on the back burner, as you said, Leisha's, you know, might be starting to come forward a little bit. And it's like, okay, well, I may not necessarily know, like, what this whole Capricorn piece is for me about is about right now, but at least I know more than what I did before and mm. I can start taking direction in a positive step. You know, it is a trine after all, so it might be, a, you know, a little bit more supportive in that sort of uh, perspective. So it, it's kind of got a little bit of a um, maybe like striking out in a new direction, whereas Saturn was spinning its wheels. Now there, there's like you know, turning on the roundabout, going round and around and around while Saturn's been retrograde, it's stationed, it's stopped, Mars comes along and goes, you know, pedal to the metal, okay, this is the direction we're going to head. So I think there can be, you know, a lot done. Um, 
you know, with this aspect, it can be really positive. It can be uh, powerful. You might also realize a little bit about where um, the power dynamics are, mm. um, you know, in play there as well. Um, but, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean it has to be um, bad, but there's awareness around it, you know, and then moving forward. You know, Mars trining Pluto, there's a, you know, I think with the Saturn station, it's really, you know, bringing a new level of awareness and clarity. I mean, you know, one of my favorite terms right now, but around like, you know, the, the whole thing, I just don't think we can really talk about Mars trining Pluto uh, in the same sign that Saturn's just stationed in and the mm. whole Saturn South Node Pluto has really been a trio um, in play, you know, for 2019. So, yeah, I think this could definitely, you know, potentially speed things up. I know, like, Saturn is going to, as, take, as you said, take a little while to, you know, get off that station degree. It'll hit 14 you know, at the very end of September. But, you know, even if things don't actually eventuate, you might even make up your own mind or get clear within yourself about, you know, where to from here, so to speak. Totally. What about you, Kel? Yeah, look, I love um, the trines to Pluto. I know Pluto gets, I don't know, so much said about him in terms of like problems and destruction and things like that. But He's really good for truth serum and helping sort of crystallize the idea of the truth of a matter or what's really going on. And Mars trying Pluto, I, I think Mars and Pluto together creates this real force, this drive or this determination where your focus, you might get sort of really intensely um, obsessed or like into something and you just stay, you put mm. your blinkers on and you just stay until you get it done. Um, Mars trying Pluto can be about pushing past barriers. It can be, you know, finding a way around something that has held you back. So I think it can be really productive in this extreme or intense, slightly bordering into workaholism or overwork way. But it's it's like, you know, I think I sort of say work, but the first image that comes to my mind is like, you know, when you have those kind of sort of crazy um, domestic or kind of housewifey type moments where you just think I have to straighten and organize the house and you just go for like six hours and you do everything. You hang the pictures, you wipe the dust off that random place that you never normally clean. You do all the laundry, like you empty all the garbage bins. You just, you go on a bit of a frenzy if you like. And I think Mars Pluto, it's a frenzy, but it's very productive and it creates some momentum or progress around something that is really substantial substantial or really potent and powerful in your life. Yeah, I agree. It's funny. I remember what someone once telling me, they used the word instead of spring clean, deep clean. That's a and much, it's that yes, whole, yes. Yeah, it's that whole idea of, you know, getting into the nitty gritty. Like in, and because we've got Mars in Virgo, w this is a different feel to when Mars trined Pluto from Taurus. Totally. Because Mars ain't happy in Taurus and it doesn't express itself and there's such a slow thing, whereas this is really like, okay, we can really get stuff done with this, um, but in a deep, powerful way. And, you know, there is that word that everybody bandies around about Pluto, about transformative. Mm -hmm. um, but it's that idea of, you know, really transforming at the point of crisis. Like that's the actual real point of transformation, not the 
the everything else around it, but it's that real click from one thing from another. And I really wonder whether or not, you know, the doorways and the corridors and the things that we've been walking through since June, July, if this will be a bit of a trigger moment for people to be able to step into a new place, um, open a doorway and really get in there and own it. Yeah, it's such, I mean, the multitasking leash, as you were talking about the difference between Mars in Taurus versus Mars in Virgo, you know, Mm. Mars in Virgo in a frenzy is incredibly efficient. It's like, I'm going to do this thing. So that happens while I'm doing this thing, you know, like you put the laundry in and then you do the other thing, or you send that email. So that person's got what they need. And then you're working on this other project. There is this supremely sort of efficient or clarifying energy to this Mars in Virgo versus Pluto in Capricorn. So, mm. yeah, it feels very different to what Cassandra's going to tell us about for the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> so if you've got a lot to get done, the, the you know, the sort of Wednesday, Thursday, Friday Wednesday, with all Thursday, this earthy yeah. energy. Because, um, Cass, what do you want to tell us about the weekend? Well, the weekend has... Is the opposite of efficiency. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe. It's, um, yeah, well, I mean... In some kind of weird roundabout way, it could have its own moment of maybe not quite so much clarity, but a penny drop at least. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is because on the 22nd, uh, Jupiter and Neptune are squaring for the third and final time this year. So it happened back in January, uh, happened again in June, and of course, uh, it's happening this week. So... Um, definitely like a, a loose, not a loosening, a tying of loose ends, um, around perhaps, you know, goals, visions, dreams, reality is, you know, what I hoped for at the beginning of the year. Do I need to perhaps make a bit of adjustments, um, around that, you know, maybe like retuning, uh, redefining the vision a little bit as well, compromising on what is possible as opposed to what is a bit pie in the sky, um, it might having to be about, um, you know, you know, it is a square. Um, however, Jupiter is sort of trumping the situation here. So it might also be about, you know, even if there is a little bit of fear or a little bit of uncertainty, it is maybe taking that leap of faith or backing yourself or taking a bet on yourself around things that, um, you know, you believe in or that are important to you. So it's obviously going to trigger, you know, two houses in your own birth chart. So, you know, Jupiter is the the head honcho here. And I think with Jupiter in such good condition, it mm. might almost sort of diffuse or dissolve the potential you know, shortcomings that the square might be um, suggesting. And I think even if you're not sure of the way forward, even if the fog is still thick, I think the message might be about, you know, still back yourself first, have a go. Um, You know, as we would say in Australia, she'll be right, mate. Like, you know, don't kind of uh, we, you know, we have had a lot of Virgo in recent weeks. And so this might be like, you know, I'm so done with the data. Now let's just have that leap of faith, even if we're not sure where we will land. Um, and perhaps, you know, ca- cast your mind back to January. How did you hope that 2020 would look, you know, 
by the time we got to this place back then. Yep. And, um, you know, then that mid-year check-in perhaps just prior to entering the meat grinder. And now we're like on the other side of that, you know, how do things look? Do they still mm. look the way that you hoped or dreamed or wished for back then? If not, that's okay too. Um, it might be about, you know, finding that faith or that hope or that in, uh, enthusiasm that, you know, you can still, you know, maybe milk a little bit of the Jupiter and Sagittarius while we've still got it. Yeah. So even, you know, even if things are foggy or unclear or you you still have a bit of doubt, um, yeah, like go for it. <laughs> that is kind of my sort of suggestion around this. You don't have to have all the details to take some kind of action. And I think sometimes squares can prompt us to do that. Um, because sometimes we don't even know where we're going. And if we did know where we were going all of the time, life would be pretty boring, right? So, um, you know, take that leap of faith, back yourself and um, go for it. So that's kind of how I feel a little bit around, you know, this aspect. And it might also clear up a little bit of fogginess or confusion that's kind of lingered around Jupiter um, because they're not connecting again, so mm. at least by, by orb. So it might almost be that Jupiter is sort of relinquished or released a little bit of the Neptunian influence and he can maybe dry out a little bit more, get his fire back and sort of go hard or go home for the rest of this Jupiter in Sagittarius transit. So, yeah, that's what I'm hoping for anyway. Beautiful. So. <laughs> I love it. There's so much, like, inspiration and imagination in this, isn't there, that uplifting... It, it's a bit like, not that it's this song, but it's that idea of the moment of lift or like that wind beneath your wings, just having that mm. sense of, I'm going to go for it. I don't have all the data, but I've got this feeling or this inspiration inside me that I'm just going to let move me. Um, mm. I've got a bit of a personal story on this, but Leisha, I'd love to hear what your thoughts on this aspect are. Well, I'm just looking forward to this actually being away. Like it's like it's on its own finally because, you know, back in January it was in amongst the eclipses. Then in June it was right when the kind of the meat grinder energy was starting to build and it was really hard. You know, this is, you know, it's Neptune involved so there's always going to be hard to get a sense of this. You know, it's etheric, it's mystical, it's magical. Um, you know, all those beautiful um, words that you were putting to it just now, Cass, it's visionary. Um, but I feel like, yeah, that there will be a more clear picture of this. This is the third hit. This is the third time this has come through. So I agree with you on the penny drop, Cass. I really feel like we've had a number of triggers to these two planets in previous weeks from the Virgo territory that have been telling us about each of the stories. So I feel like we're well informed now about what the final stages of this can be. So it's time to actually, you know, like not Icarus floating too far. To, don't go too close to the sun. Don't let the wax burn your wings, you know. Fly in the way that is towards your dreams and not too far up. Um, yeah. I don't know if yeah. that makes sense, but I, I just no. get a sense of, yeah, the wax burning and dropping off. It's like and don't get too uplifted with this. Use all the Virgo energy, the understandings, the insights of getting into the details and, you know, build those wings in the best possible way, maybe with super wax that is, ain't going to melt. Yes. 
Um, lovely note of caution there, Leash, um, which is <laughs> perfect. Um, well, yeah, I mean, it's it's tricky, isn't it? Because it's Jupiter in Sag and Neptune in Pisces, and and both of those planets are you know, big gas giants. They're definitely more on the uplift kind of tone. We're actually going to um, be heading to London that weekend. Just one of our little, you know, trying to take advantage of living in Europe when you don't know exactly how long you're going to be here trips. And just randomly the other day, we saw somebody else go to London, The one of the other principals that we know here, to go and see a show. And I was like, maybe we should go and see a show while we're in London. So we just jump on and see, you know, do we want to go see the Book of Mormon or, or what have you? And we ended up deciding to see this show called Come From Away. And I know I've talked to you gals about this on WhatsApp, but I thought it would be a lovely little story to share um, with our listeners because... Come From Away, it's a Canadian production about the town of Gander, which is in Newfoundland, which is on the far eastern coast of Canada. It's actually an island off the coast, the big island. And just up, like when September 11 was happening, all the planes that had left, you know, Europe and, and England that were over the Atlantic had to land somewhere and they couldn't come into New York. So they all got diverted to this tiny town of Gander in Newfoundland. Mm. So all of a sudden the population goes from, you know, maybe the one or 2,000 people that live there normally to up to like seven or 8,000 people and they're all passengers. They can't get their luggage on the planes but they have to be housed and fed and it's there is this sort of heartwarming tone to how humanity just, you know, how people just helped other humans in that kind of really extreme and unusual time of need. So obviously it's not triggered by a happy event, but how, you know, people just stepped in to show that compassion of Neptune or that generosity of Jupiter without really questioning, just giving what they had, nothing fancy, just doing the best they could. Um, it just really not like, you know, obviously the show has been playing for a while, but I just thought it's really interesting that, mm. you know, we're going to see this sort of heartwarming, uplifting story told in a very simple way. There's no like singing or dancing. It's just actors on a stage. There isn't even a backdrop. It's just actors on a stage talking. Uh, so that sort of spoke to me a little bit about this Jupiter-Neptune energy, about the generosity and the compassion sort of weaving together, together, maybe not in ideal circumstances, but making the best of what's available because that's really from that Buddhist perspective, we're in the present, that's what we've got to deal with. So how can we, yeah. you know, be generous or find faith or find purpose in that space? Yeah, that's a beautiful story because I've actually read the book. That's right, Leisha. Yeah, you said you'd read the book. Yeah, yeah. The day, the day the world came to town. That's, and yeah. It wasn't just the people of Gander, although absolutely they did, but it was also even the people who were in the planes together. Yeah. Because they'd come from all over the world. And so, you know, some of them were, were trying to find stories, trying to get connections, and, and the way they supported each other and firm friendships were built, life, like mm. lifelong friendships between people within the planes, people on the planes with the people of Gander, and it's changed the people, the town of Gander as well. So it's almost like that's what this aspect can bring when we allow our hearts to open and when we allow our generosity, you know, our spirit to be generous, it changes us and mm. it brings us into a whole new level, a whole new shift, a whole new place. So that's kind of, I think that's been some of the lovely stuff about this year as well. There's mm. little moments of magic that have dropped in to really help us understand and be with the other heavier or, or the inspiring Jupiter stuff too. Yeah. 
That's really... Yeah, because I think that one of the earlier aspects, maybe back in January, Leash, you had talked about the new Mary Poppins movie with this film mm. um, and those like those little magical moments. That sort of stayed with me because as much as there has been, you know, the heaviness and the purification themes of this year, there have been those little kind of magical encounters of... of I'm also reading um, Melinda Gates' new book called The Moment of Lift, which is a lot oh. about it's it's like I started reading it and I was like, oh my God, this is the kind of book I'm going to spend a whole weekend and just devouring. She's talking about the power of um, how you support women and, you know, specifically women in childbirth, but then women, you know, education for girls and just how the power of lifting one lifts many. And that theme is now staying with me a lot around this particular mm. aspect. So yeah, there's a lot. I mean, it's big themes, isn't it? It's giving what you can. Yeah. It's making that contribution, the power of a positive turn of phrase or just being encouraging. Uh, anyway, so now we're doing this in a very Jupiter Neptune way. We're just going on and on and on about it. And I'm like, okay, yeah. Kelly, time yeah. to wrap up. Um, yeah, so yeah. But I did hear an awesome podcast, her talking yeah. to Oprah on the Super Soul Conversations about this and about that whole thing. It's a really awesome podcast to listen to. I mean, to, I've read about like the first uplift. couple of chapters and I just want to give everything I have to women in um, yeah. impoverished circumstances who are having babies or I just, I was like, can I fly to Africa? What can I do to make a difference? Yeah. Or should I just give some money? Like it just, it really makes you um, understand the power of who to help at what stage of their life and the huge impact that has on yeah. the entire community around them. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. But so, it takes yeah. big imagination. It, yep. it, it's big. I mean, it is, the, and their philanthropic work is, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe I don't know enough about the details, but it's quite like, wow. They're amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So back to reality. Um, it is <laughs> the middle, well, the second, third last week of September. We're now third week of September. Um, what do you girls have going on in our everyday lives that may not be changing the world, <laughs> but we're still living our existence? Well, funny you talk about changing uh, the world because, um, this week I have my version webinar coming up and I have said about it, when you learn this technique, it will change the way you look at charts. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Cass has got a game changer up her sleeve I this have a week. Game, like a Jupiter Neptune game changer happening this week, yes. And so you can get all the uh, details on that, CassandraTindall.com forward slash events, and it's there. So I'd love to see you there. How about you, Lishi? What have you got happening? I'm still taking registrations for my new moon in Libra workshop. So, um, yeah, come along to have a chat about your chart, um, chat with people like-minded and understand more about how this particular new moon is going to light up your chart, um, what area of your life it's going to light up and how you can put some conscious thought and conscious effort and conscious steps in place to make the most of it. Uh, we have Kel? one really exciting thing to talk yes. about. Are we going to talk about that now? Yes, I just wanted to share one thing really quickly. I realized I should talk. I know you guys often chat about consults um, and I need to let people know that, yes, I do take bookings for client consults. However, I do have a fair long, fairly long wait list. So for anyone who 
is thinking they'd like to have a session, my 2019 schedule is fully booked for client consults. So you can schedule for 2020. Just pop on my website and make an inquiry via the contact form. I realized that I'm now booking sort of so far ahead. I just need to let people know that you're welcome to schedule early, but it is sort of about, um, I guess it's about a six month wait at this point in time. Um, I'll, I've got all my online classes going and my monthly subscription runs every month. So for people who are like, but I want something now. Um, and of course, both of you offer readings. So if people are like, I need a reading now, Alish and Cassandra, you guys, um, I, I'm having less space in my schedule to do readings because I am working on a book, which is part of the reason the wait time has gone so long. Uh, but we do have and a talking group. about 2020. Yes, talking about tw- great, great segue, Leisha. Yeah, over to you. <laughs> Speaking of 2020 and the year ahead. Um, Leisha, I feel like nobody wants to say anything. Okay, so we have we are pulling the details together for our very first year ahead retreat, which we're going to do live, the three of us together, and you, if you can join us in Brisbane. What is the date? Thursday, January ninth, isn't it? Is it? Oh my gosh, we're so. Um, Whatever the second Thursday in January is, I'm going to get the oh. calendar now. Thursday, January 9th. Um, we will have a, I think by the time this goes live, we will have a little webpage up um, yeah. where you can find out all the details. Uh, we're in a beautiful retreat center just outside Brizzy. We've got a full day where we're going to look at the year ahead transits and then also do some more personal work with perfections. Lunch is provided on site. There are options for things like gluten-free and dairy-free. Um, it's kind of set in a slightly like bush setting. So you will have that feeling of like being able to step out of like the buzz of everyday life and join us for the day on Thursday, the 9th of January. So save the date. What do you guys want to say about that? I just kind of jumped in there because I know we were all like, who's going to say what? Um, <laughs> yeah, we're super excited to do it. Um, we've got lots of really great things planned for it. It's a beautiful venue, a nice part of Brisbane and easy to get to by car. Of course, there's, you know, you could catch the bus from the city. Um can't wait to do it. Yeah. It's going to be good. Yeah. yeah. And just to kind of get to meet people and be face to face with people, especially our, you know, Brisbane listeners and Sunshine Coast and Gold Coast. And if anyone wants to fly up, you know, feel free. Um, but just to have a whole day with people, yeah. you know, really loved that event that we did at the beginning of last year, but that was just a few hours. So I feel like we'll really get to get into things and get more deeply into things. Of course, the Scorpio is talking about getting deeply yes. into things, but you know, <laughs> getting and to I know guess, people and, and meet yeah. people and form some friendships um, yeah. and connections with with people. And the thing is, I think we really wanted to, you know, of course it's not like exclusively women. <laughs> if you're a guy you want to come, you're more than welcome. But I mean, we just wanted to create that space for, you know, the Uranus and Taurus, that connection, you know, bringing people mm. together. Um, you know, of course, you know, maybe we'll have to do like London, New York and what have you next time. But for now, it's in Brisbane. <laughs> yes, and we're you know. starting with, well, really it's hometown ground. Cass and I were actually the, born in Brizzy. Um, so Brizzy is Roots and Leash, you're now living in um, Queensland. Just up the road. Just up, Just the, up road. the road. Yeah. So we're really excited to expand on last year's offering. And yeah, as you're saying, Leash, there's something really special about getting together in person, being able to talk. We're going to do, you know, a morning session where we're looking at the year ahead. We're going to have some lunch, lunch break, plenty of time to chat. And then in the afternoon, we're going to do a little bit more um, 
I guess, sort of individual style work and, and some group work and we'll have all the yep. details on the website, which should be live and we'll probably be able to include in the show notes below. Yes. So, yeah, yes. we do have, yeah, we have enough room for a group of a certain size. So if you are thinking of joining us, um, you know, grab the early bird tickets, which will be a little bit cheaper as always. Uh, yeah, so Thursday, January 9th. Super exciting. Lock it in. Yay. And 2020's got some pretty big shifting transitionary astrology. So, you know, it's actually a really good year to come and get a forward look at things and then have that opportunity to work individually as well with, with us. So yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a huge year. So yeah, see, it's a huge year collectively. And we want to give you guys the chance to see how it's going to trigger your chart and your life personally. Mm. So yeah, bring your charts and come along for a fun day. So Maybe we'll wait. I know it's very exciting. We'll definitely talk more about that in our future shows, but there'll be more information on the webpage. And if you have any questions, you can email any of us individually or just pop a comment on um, below, I guess. So below, below, (laughs) below. (laughs) So that's it for us this week. I think enjoy the, the shifting foundations and the inspiration. And we'll look forward to seeing you all next week for the Equinox episode. Yay. Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah. Gosh, that's come quick. It has. Bye, it everyone. always does. Okay. <laughs> Bye, everyone. <laughs>